from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. One of the greatest aspects of competing in the SEC is the chance to see top 10 matchups across multiple sports on any given weekend. But this week presents an embarrassment of riches in Gainesville, as both baseball and softball have top-ranked showdowns. Since we heard from Kevin O'Sullivan last week, today we'll chat with Tim Walton about the Gator softball team's highly anticipated series with Alabama. Also, as the Florida Gymnastics Squad officially begins their campaign for a four-peat, GatorVision Shelby Granath sits down with sophomore Alex McMurtry to discuss this weekend's NCAA Regional. But first, we're just a week away from the Orange and Blue debut, so we wanted to check in with FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter on the latest progress from spring football. With one scrimmage in the books, Scott says the coaching staff is still in the process of discovering new standouts. One of those guys was a uh, defensive back, Chauncey Gardner, who had a nice pick. and He's been moved to safety and uh, playing pretty well there uh, from what Jim McElwain said earlier this week at his press conference. And You knew he had a talent. He, he played at Coco High, was an all-state performer. He's in one of the 12 early enrollees here. Very athletic guy. And you know When you look at the Gators this year, losing so much talent from the secondary, they were looking at uh, Chauncey Gardner and um, MacArthur Burnett as a couple of guys who would help by getting here early in the spring and hopefully develop those guys some to where they can uh, contribute in the fall. And all indications are right now that Chauncey Gardner is going to be one of those guys. Uh, McElwain uh, said basically he can really help this football team. And, you know, he's only been out there with this team uh, in this situation in the drills and the first scrimmage uh, what for less than two weeks. But evidently he's impressed the coaches and his teammates. And uh, he's one guy to keep an eye on as, as we move forward here to the spring game. You know, quarterbacks always going to be a focal point in your first scrimmage. They went into it with four guys. All four guys took reps. All four guys got first team reps, uh, including the true freshman, uh, Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. You know, McElwain said they all had their moments, good and bad. So, you know, I think that's probably to be expected at this stage. It was the first scrimmage. I think the the older guys, Austin Appleby and Luke Del Rio, I think were looked a little more polished. But all indications are they're just splitting those reps throughout camp and these scrimmages to give these guys an opportunity to get out there in game-like situations and, and see which one stands out. Right now, it sounds like nothing was really clear-cut after last week's scrimmage. So they'll learn more later this week when they have their second one. You mentioned the depth in the secondary. That's a big part of what people are looking at in the spring, but also depth at linebacker. I know Randy Shannon spoke a few days ago, and you had a chance to hear from him as well on their progress. Yeah, that's an area, you know, they're losing Antonio Morris, and uh, the, kind of the heartbeat of the defense uh, in some degree last year. They're looking for a leader back there, and all indications are Jerry Davis is not only the guy the coaches and the team is looking for, he's embraced that role, and he showed it to us this spring, just the way he's been dealing with the media. I mean, he's kind of taken on that leadership role you want out of a senior, and it was a big thing for Florida to get him back. But beyond Jared, you got... Alex Anzalone, one guy who's always impressed you physically. He has all the tools 
but he just hasn't stayed healthy a lot. He's come on, he's healthy, he's looking good in camp. You know, Randy Shannon likes his physical nature. He's a guy who's got enough athleticism to do some things where they can uh, toy around with him in the defense. And another guy who Jeff Collins, the defensive coordinator, has talked about using him a linebacker, Marcel Harris, a safety. He's physical enough to come up into the box. So he's another guy. He's still a defensive back, still safety, but... He can uh, add some versatility there, maybe add some depth. And beyond that, Adam, you're looking at a couple of young guys. Rayshad Jackson, who was redshirted last year. David Reese, a true freshman. Matt Rowland, a veteran, a guy who's been around. We just haven't seen him much. He's been injured, really, most of his career. Showed some flashes late last season, but, you know, those three guys, there's a lot of big question marks on. But, you know, in Davis and Anzalone, it sounds like they have at least two guys who they feel confident. And, you know, with the way Florida plays defense, you're going with a two-line set a lot of times so I think it's important now just to build some depth there behind those guys. A lot of running backs are in the mix this spring and certainly they bring different looks to the table so talk about those guys and the versatility that they're giving Jim McElwain to work with. Well, so far, uh, they look pretty good. Uh, you know, in the first scrimmage the other day, guys were catching the ball out of the backfield, which is something, you know, Florida hasn't had a lot of receivers out of the backfield in, in recent years. But Mark Thompson uh, was one guy that McElwain pointed out. He reminded us that this guy was a, a player who started out at receiver. Did he get so big? He's, you know, 6'2", about 230. He's one of those powerful backs that Florida hasn't had in a while, and he's going to give it a little different look than the, the two sophomores coming back, Jordan Scarlett and Jordan Cronkite. But they also evidently caught the ball pretty well out of the backfield uh, in the last scrimmage. And, you know, we've heard this guy mentioned by the former coaching staff, and now we're hearing McElwain mention him. Mark Herndon, he's been around. He was a former walk-on and got awarded a scholarship under uh, Will Muschamp. And then right about the time that he was looking to get some playing time in 2014, he suffered a, a bad knee injury at Alabama into this season and, and you know sometimes it's the year after you have that surgery you start to feel normal again and evidently he's been looking uh, good at camp and McElwain's mentioned him more than once in uh, recent days so what does that mean for Mark Kernan come fall I don't know but it's another back in the mix so yeah, that's four running backs right there they feel pretty good about their depth there Adam and the, I think they really like the talent they have because they have different kind of running backs they have the big strong, powerful back in uh, Thompson. You know, your veteran in Hernan, who's your classic kind of team player, plays special teams, just a good locker room guy. And then the two talented uh, sophomores who we saw some last year as freshmen, who I think both should be better in uh, 2016. Last week, we saw a lot of former Gators in the indoor practice facility for Pro Day, and a lot of times there's not that much to take from it because the combine's already happened. But which players do you think help themselves the most at Pro Day? You know, from what I'm hearing, Adam, I mean, Keanu Neal continues to kind of rise in the eyes of NFL personnel. People know about his physicality, but Keanu is also a very smart football player, and I think he's coming across really well in these interviews with NFL teams. He's met with uh, several teams already. He had some interviews while he was in town with the scouts. Every team was represented. He's a player. He plays very physical. He's big enough to play safety in the NFL. Uh, he is a guy that really came on last season and. the uh, Remember, he's a, he was another guy debating whether or not to come back for his senior year after his uh, junior season. He decided to go into the draft, and it seems like a pretty good decision right now because after the combine, people said, hey, this guy could be a late second rounder. Now the talk is maybe middle second rounder and maybe late first rounder, you know, from uh, talking to him at Pro Day. So, you know, jury's still out there. You hear a lot of different things about these players through this whole process, but I do think Keanu Neal, it's clear he probably made the right decision by coming out because I think he's going to go somewhere in the top two rounds, 
It was a chance for Antonio Morrison to get out in front of scouts. He was sick during NFL Combine in Indianapolis, missed that event. So that kind of raised, I think, some flags with maybe NFL types because here's a guy who had that serious knee injury in the Birmingham Bowl. Remarkable comeback story, uh, played every game last year, led the team in tackles. But, you know, anytime you have a knee injury and you're going into the draft, I mean, there's still going to be questions until these teams can get their people looking at you close. And so that was a big opportunity for Antonio Morrison at Pro Day. He came out, didn't blow anybody away with his times, which he even said he knew that was going to happen. But he's a guy that I've read a couple NFL types say this. I mean, he's just that football player. He comes across better on film than he is on a kind of a skill display out at the Pro Day where there's a time in your 40 and your jump. He's not going to blow anybody away at those uh, events. But I think Antonio Morrison is going to have a home in NFL. And the, the biggest thing for him was just to get out there, do everything they ask, prove that his knee's healthy, and also for these teams to kind of get to know him and, and understand that he's got a little edge about him that you don't necessarily see during a combine or pro day. The Gators softball team began the year at number one, and they have yet to waver from that position. The two-time defending national champions are 33-1 overall and have rolled through a front-loaded SEC schedule with a remarkable 8-1 record going into this weekend's battle with Alabama. We spoke with head coach Tim Walton and asked him what the keys have been to his team's record-breaking success. I think we've really defended well in every position. We've defended well in left, center, and right. We've defended well on the infield. And we've defended well, you know, in the pitching circle. And then obviously the just the way the pitchers have, have performed. You come to the ballpark every day knowing that the pitchers are going to come in there and keep you in the ball game. And I think with, with that, it really helps, you know, come to the ballpark feeling confident and being prepared. There's an old saying in the sport where if you have two pitchers, you have no pitchers. You have three pitchers, and yet you seem to really have three pitchers. Are you sort of changing the way people think about softball with this particular pitching staff? You know, I think that's, that's one of the, the best parts about having success is that, you know, we're always constantly trying to figure out how can we improve. What do we need to do? How do we get better? What are we good at? What are we not as good at? When we were hitting home runs, we were trying to figure out how can we get a little bit faster. When we get a little faster, we're trying to figure out how can we hit more home runs. When we're playing good defense, we figure out how can we get better defense. When we've got good shortstop, we want a great shortstop. And I think that's the, the evolution of pitching. When we had one ace, we went to the College World Series. When we had two aces, um, we continued to go to the College World Series. When we've had three aces, we've won the College World Series twice. I think that, that, that we are creating a trend, and the trend is, is that the hitting and the preparation and the video and the amount of exposure that the sport of softball now has, you can't do it with one pitcher. One pitcher makes it very difficult to do. Just going through the amount of time that it takes to get through a game now compared to what it used to be, it takes a long time to get through somebody's lineup three times. And to do that is not easy. And I think that's the, uh, the beauty of having three pitchers is you can change up looks, you can change up scenarios, you can even change up people's preparation for you and how they prepare to try to beat you. One of the questions everybody asked you at the beginning of the season was how do you replace Lauren Hager and Bailey Castro and their power? And for a while it was, okay, well, these players are going to step up and they're going to fill that void. Now it seems like the team has just sort of evolved into being a different kind of team. 
Is that something you're okay with, or do you still search for that power to try and make up for that? Well, I think you know, as you've watched the evolution of this team, you know, when we've been a tie ball game at Auburn and there's a three-run homer, uh, up by one, down by one at Auburn, and there's a three-run homer, tie ball game at LSU, there's a three-run homer. Um, I think there are plenty of opportunities for us to deliver with some of those power moments. But I think that when I look at our hitters and how they compete and what they're competing like, I've got a lot of hitters that do not want to get out. And if you can understand to be a great power hitter, you're probably more than likely going to get out 70% of the time. And I just don't have the hitters that really want to deal with 70, 70% failure. And I think that has a lot to do with what our pitchers have done in the fall and facing Alicia Ocasio and Delaney Gorley and Kelly Barnell has a little bit to do with our lack of power because they weren't getting on base in the fall because they're trying to hit home runs and doing so. So they had to adjust. They had to um, reinvent themselves a little bit to try to gain the amount of confidence and the success that they wanted. So I think we're perfectly fine with who we are, you know, and, and, and that is we're still tough outs. Um, we can still change the game in one swing. But I think overall the, the consistency of what our batters are showing day in and day out, I think that that makes them feel a lot better in their preparation and then how they're going to leave a ball game every day. You know, whether it's one for three, whether it's two for three, two for four, I think they're finding ways in which they can do a better job of being comfortable in their own skin as opposed to trying to be somebody they're not. You mentioned constantly striving to get better and finding new ways to address that. This week, you took the team on a canoe trip. Uh, can you talk about that and what the idea was behind it? At the end of the fall, I talk to all the players and we have exit meetings. We just talk about the fall and get ready for the spring. And, you know, just listening to a couple of our players talk about the grind and how hard we work. And, and again, everybody in this country tells you how hard they work. I watch it. I watch it every day. I watch our hitters work and how they work and what they do and the amount of time that they put into what they're good at. And I think that that really does a good job for them. But what I wanted to be able to do was show them that they can be around each other. They can have fun. They can enjoy each other. This is going to be a a bond that these players are going to have for the rest of their lives. And I want them to do a good job of being able to share that with each other in a non-competitive situation to help chemistry grow and to help us, you know, kind of stay out of the season rut that everybody talks about that you get into. So we talked about ways you improve off the field chemistry. As far as on the field, you're already in such a good spot. But when you look at your team, how can you even get better at this point? The easiest way to say we can get better is to always address the offense. Uh, Offense is the easiest to address because you can go through a game and go 10 for 30 and you go, how can you get better? Well, we got out 20 times. Obviously, there's a way to get better. We got out 21 times. There's obviously a way to get better. So I think overall, just trying to figure out ways in which we can always improve the offense without giving up too many outs. You know, I don't like to give away stolen base outs um, or stolen base attempt outs. I don't like to get too many things where we're, we're, we're being too aggressive that we just waste our outs. So I think the main thing is just trying to figure out how do we get this team functioning to where we can do enough hit and runs, we can do enough steals, we can hit enough home runs, we can bunt enough, and just be able to try to figure out what the perfect mold is for success. And it may change. Our opponent may you know, may score five runs against us in the first three innings, and we may not be a bunt team, we may not be a hit and run team, we may need the home runs. And I think that's the part of the game that I love, is no matter how hard you prepare, no matter what you see on video, no matter what you see on stats, is that that player still has to live in that moment. That player still has to come through in that moment. And um, I think that's the part of, of coaching that we want to be able to do the best, is how do you coach your players up 
to live in that moment and get better in that moment. And that, that's what I love about what I do is that never is there two days that are exactly the same. Never are there two innings that are exactly the same. It's always about you trying to put your players in a situation where they can get better and feel like they're invincible. There have been a lot of big moments against Alabama over the years. As they prepare to come to town this weekend, how much do you reflect back on some of those classic games that you've had against them? Yeah, I can really think about most of the losses against Alabama to myself. I can think about you know the one nothing game that we had in 2009 as one of only our five losses that year and just them being able to get a two-out, two-strike hit. And, and it was one of our only losses. I think it was actually the only loss we had in league. It was our first game that year. I can think about that game. I can think about the other times when you can remember someone hitting a big home run at Alabama and how electric road stadium gets. And um, I can think about coming here where we've had great games and Michelle Moultrie hits a two-out, two-strike ball into left center and they catch it on the wall to end the game. We had a chance to have another one of those terrific moments. So this is a great rivalry. I think the rivalry that we have as we have had two very successful programs not only in the SEC it's not only in the south but at the college world series and nationally I respect their program a lot just by the way they play I assume they respect our program a lot our players respect Alabama that's what makes preparing for them so much fun is we do have a respect for them knowing that if you don't practice well they're going to come in here and beat you if you don't execute well they're going to come in here and beat you and um, you know I think that 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 really um, helps you prepare and helps you stay hungry for you know this, this continual grind that you go through every single week. What matchups are going to be critical in Gainesville this weekend? I think any matchup with Haley McClenny is always going to be a you know a, a big matchup. I think she is such a special player. She's in my opinion she's the best center fielder in the country. Her range, her arm, her athletic ability. Her at-bats, her leadership, she just plays at such a, such a high level. You know, and I think that that matchup, to me, is one that we have to do a good job of defending and picking and choosing our battles. When do we want her to have an opportunity and when do we not want her to have an opportunity? Then I take our situation where I feel like we have the best center fielder that we've ever had in our program in Kirsty Merritt. And I think she's a huge matchup. When she goes, we go. As much as Kelsey Stewart is the engine, to me, the engine can't be that without having the turning point, the trump card. And Kirsty Merritt, to me, is the trump card in, in all situations. She's the defensive trump card. She's the energy. She's the base running threat. She's the hitter. She can hit home runs. She does so much for us. And although I mentioned Haley McClenney as the best I can honestly tell you that if I had to choose Haley McClenney, Kirsty Merritt, Michelle Moultrie, I don't know that I could ever go wrong with those three choices. I mean, such great players. Kim Walzonia comes to mind. But Kirsty Merritt is one of the toughest players that I've ever been around and one of the most fun players to ever been around. So to me, Kirsty Merritt is the trump card. She's the difference maker. If she does well, we're very, very, very tough to beat. The UConn women's basketball team has been grabbing headlines about their quest to win four straight national titles, but the same opportunity is dangling for the Gator gymnastics team and their group of seniors. Claiming that ultimate prize for the four-year athletes also means getting big contributions from the underclassmen as well. With the Gators heading to regionals this weekend in Minneapolis looking to earn their way to the NCAA championships in Fort Worth, Gator Vision's Shelby Granath asked sophomore All-American Alex McMurtry what the team has been doing to prepare. 
We've really been working on little specific details, and I think we brought some huge energy to SECs. So as long as we bring that everywhere we go for the rest of the season, I think we'll be perfect. Um, little details here and there, I think floor was our weakest event at SECs. So that's what we want to improve on. I know I want to improve on my dance everywhere. I want to improve on my landing. So we're just really thinking about these little details that will take us further in postseason. And then Coach Roland mentioned that last weekend was the first time in like 11 weeks that you guys hadn't had a competition. How important was that break and what was training like last week? It was very nice to have a break, but then we used that to our advantage and had a big inner squad almost. Um, we had a really important practice on Saturday, so that gave us a little experience practicing on Saturdays and competing on Saturdays, so that's what we'll be doing for regionals and nationals. Um, practice was really fun. I think it was one of the most energetic weeks we had since we started season, so I think we all used that extra weekend to relax um, to our advantage while also improving in the gym. The team obviously has the big goal of making it to Super 6 and winning another national championship, but how important is it to stay in the moment and focus on the task at hand this weekend? Of course. So regionals isn't nationals, it isn't Super 6, but it is very, very important. We have to make it to the next step, so we have to go into this meet and think about it as if it was nationals because we're going to have a lot of teams in there. We're going to have a lot of energy. So it's just more practice. Um, yeah, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but I think we're going to do really, really well. Everything is in preparation for nationals. But then again, I think we're great at staying in the moment. When we're up on beam, Like that's all we're thinking about. And I love that. I think it's so much more fun when we're only thinking about what we're doing and bringing the energy. And then it has been two weeks since you guys won the SEC championship. Is that fire and excitement still there heading into regionals this weekend? I think we're always going to bring our A game no matter what. Even though it was two weeks ago, we are still fired up about SECs and we're still really excited. I think that's something special about our team. We always have that energy anywhere we go. And SECs is just going to drive and fuel our fire. So I'm so excited to use that into regionals and nationals. Looking back at that SEC title, how special was it winning that? Well, it was my first SEC title. It was incredible. All the emotion, all the hard work was paying off, and just beating those great teams at the SEC is so amazing. I thought it was one of the most fun competitions we've had this season, so I'm excited to see what's to come, but when I think about SECs, it just brings a smile to my face. How did the atmosphere of that meet prepare you guys for regionals and then nationals? Of course, so we're on podium. It's a great experience for that, and we have to stay in our corrals. We have to follow rules that will come into play at nationals. So I think it prepared us in that sense with rule following, but it also prepared us for the energy level. Um, I think the coaches got so excited, high-fiving everybody, so that was the most fun part for me, and it just gave us great experience, I think. So then some fans might not know this, but since there are six teams competing at regionals, um, only four teams compete at a time, so each rotation, two teams will sit out. What is that time like and how do you keep the team fired up to get out there and compete? We have to stay warm. We have to get ready for what's to come even though we're sitting in the locker room. Like you said, we always bring the energy. We are dancing. We are singing. We are doing everything we can to stay warm. We don't really worry about wasting energy. I think we are all going on such adrenaline that we got to stay moving and I think dancing and singing in the locker room is one of the most fun parts of postseason and even if you have a bye, nothing slows down for our energy level and our adrenaline level. Florida actually will start off on a bye before competing on bars. Will that be tough to, you know, warm up and have the introductions and then have to go sit in the locker room for about 20 minutes? It is going to be hard. Um, luckily, bars, once you take your first turn, you'll get pretty loose pretty quickly. We're not going to be doing any dangerous, like, flexibility like you would on beam, and we're not power tumbling or anything. So I think 
the bye before bars, yes, it's some downtime, but I don't think it'll hurt us too, too bad. I'm just excited for dancing and singing and keeping the energy up. Once we start on bars, it'll be like we never had that bye anyway. Now, last year you had some problems with your back and you were never able to compete floor. So what has it been like competing all around so far this year for the Gators? It's been a dream come true. I had to work some kinks out and make sure I could make all four events in a competition. But so far, so good. I mean, I'm really loving feeling that energy when I get up on floor. And my whole team knows my routine, and they want to see me shine on that event too. So it's been so much fun. Again, I love contributing to lineup, and having another spot in lineup is just icing on the cake. Honestly, it's awesome to be able to contribute like this. SEC awards were announced last week and you were named to the All-SEC team. How special was that honor? That was incredible. I love getting different SEC titles and you never think about that stuff when you're competing or throughout season. So when you get recognized for something like that, it really shows that people are watching, people are caring. And I know me and a lot of my Gator gymnasts got a lot of awards and I think that's special. It represents our team and I know our sophomore class was very strong in that area too. Someone else who got one of those awards was Jenny Rowland. She was named the SEC Co-Coach of the Year. What does that say about the impact she's had on the team so far this year in her first year as a head coach? Of course, I know it was such a special moment for Jenny competing SECs and taking home that title. We love her and we would give her every award we possibly could. So seeing her recognized by the SEC was incredible. I think she's the most deserving person for the award. And I love seeing pictures posted all over the place for her. And I think she's really the head figure of this team and she's what's going to make the difference in postseason. And then you were one of five Gators to receive a regular season All-America honor. You guys together earned 14 honors. What does that say about the depth of this team? We don't have one all-star. We have many, many people on this team who can contribute and, and who, who can win All-American awards like that. And seeing sophomores and our seniors make such honors, um, it just gives us the confidence that we have such strong eventers and all-arounders on this team, and that's what's going to bring us forward. Having depth is so important. You know, you can have a fall, but we have five more strong routines. Um, I think everybody's routine is equally as important, and that really shows when all these awards are given out. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you aren't already subscribed to Gator Tales, what are you waiting for? Get locked into the official podcast of the Gators on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher to make sure you never miss an episode. Our next installment will come your way next Thursday and get you all set for the Orange and Blue debut, so don't miss it. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you at the ballpark.